as we open our Bibles now to the Gospel of John, John chapter 15, and this time we are going to read verse 8 to 11. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. May, be, may God bless the reading from his holy word. Please be seated. So good morning once again, brethren. We have come to the final week of our 40 days of abundance. And praise God for this year's 40 days campaign. Can we give the Lord a clap offering? <clears throat> praise God. And as I have said a while ago, there is an abundance of grapes in the house of the Lord today. So please make sure that you bring your part. Okay, the harvest is indeed so plenty. You know, we were just asking from the big groups to, you know, give their, their share of grapes. And you know what? There's more. <laughs> okay? Uh, we were able to gather... 30 boxes of grapes. <laughs> so many. There's abundance. So if you think that what we are giving out to you is just uh, too little, you can ask for more. <laughs> and during the coffee socials, I ask the ushers, please serve the grapes. It's for everyone to enjoy. It's, you know, a symbol of God's blessings to all of us this year. Amen? That God is the source of our abundance. Again, let us remind ourselves of this campaign that this is about our relationship to Christ. I am the true vine, Jesus said. You are the branches. We have studied this chapter and we have learned three secrets. And we now come to the final message of this 40 days. Joyful abundance. That's the finale, all right? That's what you and I experience. That's what people will experience when we truly abide in Christ. Now, let us just review some of the important secrets that we have learned in this lesson. The first secret to abundance is that if your life consistently bears no fruit, you know, if you are stagnant in your spiritual life, if you are fruitless, then you know that the gardener has something good to do. He will intervene to discipline you. And remember, when we were talking about discipline, nobody likes to be disciplined, right? But the Father disciplines those that He loves. He loves us. And that's why He gives us, you know, the good hurt. Because sometimes we need a dose of hurt to get our attention so that we will go back to Him. And then the second secret to abundance is that if your life bears some fruit, in other words, you're doing well in your spiritual walk with the Lord, you're bearing fruit, then the gardener, God the Father, will intervene to prune you. And we know and we have learned that we have to go through seasons of pruning because God wants us to be abundant. But then there's more. If your life bears a lot of fruit, if your walk with the Lord is well and good, and you are thriving in your walk with God in your life, then God will invite you to abide more deeply with Him. Brethren, the goal of our entire Christian life is actually not abundance. The goal is not abundance, but abiding. Abundance is simply the overflow of our abiding. 
Remember what Jesus said in verse 5? Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. So meaning to say, brethren, our goal is not to be fruitful. Our goal is to abide. That is what Jesus Christ is teaching us here. That's the most important thing in our Christian life, to maintain an abiding relationship with Christ. Because bearing much fruit, abundance, prosperity, those are simply the byproduct. But my question for us this morning, what is the ultimate experience when we abide in Christ? Aside from fruitfulness, what is it that you and I will experience when we truly abide in Him, when we remain in Him in an intimate relationship? Well, the answer to that question is found in verse 11. And this is what Jesus said after stating the word abide again and again and again. Jesus says, these things, what things? The things that he's been talking about, you know, since verse 1. He says, these things I have spoken to you. And what is the ultimate experience when we have Christ? So that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Isn't that amazing, brethren? To abide in Christ, to be in His presence, we experience joy. We experience abundance. Again, it is only the byproduct. It is only the overflow when you maintain an abiding relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ. Just like the psalmist David. You know the secret of David to his joyful life? It's not his kingdom. It's not in himself. No, this is what David said, Psalm 16, verse 11, one of my favorite psalms in the Bible. You will show me the path of life in your presence. What is that? In your presence. So David maintained an intimate presence with the Lord. And what is the result when we are in His presence? Is fullness of joy. See that? That's exactly what Jesus Christ is talking about in John 15, 11. That in my presence, if you hold on to me, if you remain in me, not only will you bear much fruit, but you will have the fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Brethren, this is the secret to a joyful and meaningful life. See? You know, the world offers you a lot of things. The world offers you pleasure. But only God can give us pleasures, plural, and then there's forevermore. The world can only give us temporary happiness. Only Jesus Christ can give us pleasures forevermore. That's why David says, you will show me the path of life. Isn't that what Jesus said? I have come that you may have what? Life and have it more abundantly. More abundance. More abundance is only found in Jesus Christ. And so this morning, brethren, as we end this campaign, I'd like us to know the three joyful promises of abiding. In our text, in our passage in John 15, this, this is just a 17-verse chapter, but it's, Abundant with blessings. Amen? Abundant with doctrine. Abundant with truth. But there are three amazing promises that Jesus Christ gave to His disciples, to all of us, when we remain in Him. Take note, the promise are true, but there are premises in this promise. We have to abide. We have to remain. We have to cling on to Him. Alright, so are you ready for the first promise? The first promise of joy is this, the joy of unhindered prayer. The joy of unhindered prayer. One of the benefits that we have in abiding in Christ 
is when Jesus promised, you ask whatever it is, and it will be done to you. Isn't it a joyful thing? Almost everyone in the world today prays for something, whether it's for health, for finances, for their plans. Almost all people, regardless of religion, we all have something to ask. The question is, do you have the assurance of answers? That's something that you and I can enjoy because it is the promise of Christ to those who cling on to Him. Notice verse 7 again. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, and here's the joyful thing, ask whatever you wish. Ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Isn't it joyful that we ask for us Christians, we have the assurance that because of our relationship with Christ, because we are reading His Word, because we are in His presence, we can ask whatever it is. Now, brethren, listen to this. Nothing pleases God more than when we ask for what He wants to give. See? Nothing pleases God more when we ask Him for things that He wants us to give. And it happens when we abide in His Word. Remember, you know, what I said last week, according to Ray Stedman, prayers are answered. Growing out of that relationship of an obedient and dependent heart, leaving the process and the timing to God. You cannot tell Him when to answer your prayers. You cannot tell Him how to answer your prayers. But He will answer your prayers when they grow out of this relationship. That's what Jesus has been telling us in this verse. If, if you abide in me and my words abide in you. In other words, Jesus is saying, take care of our relationship and I will take care of your needs. That's what His promises. His promises here. See? He will answer. See? We cannot force God and coerce God to answer. He will answer. And take note, He will answer based on our relationship with Him. Now, what does it look like when whatever you wish, it will be given? Is there an example of that in the Bible? Yes, in the Old Testament. You see, in the first nine chapters of Chronicles, first Chronicles, first nine chapters, this is one of those chapters in the Bible where you get so bored because you just have their names. Because the first nine chapters, you have here what? The lineage. Can you imagine every son of Jacob and all their sons and their sons are mentioned? Nine chapters of names. I'm sure by the third chapter, you're already sleepy with all the names there. No? Nine chapters. And you will find there are actually thousands of names. But in those thousands of names, in, in, in chapter 4 particularly, something is given a special mention. <laughs> Jabez. Here is an example of a man who enjoys the unhindered prayer. Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. His mother had named him Jabez, saying, I give birth to him in pain. The name Jabez means pain. Okay? It's the same thing when you are given the name Mara. <laughs> Bitter. This one is the male version. Jabez. See? Painful. Alright? And so Jabez made a prayer. Okay, notice verse 10. Jabez cried out to God of Israel, Oh, that you would bless me. Notice what Jabez asked the Lord. Bless me, enlarge my territory, let your hand be with me. Can you imagine you know, the confidence of this man? He's not asking for little things. <laughs> he asked God, Lord, bless me. Enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me. In other words, Lord, wherever I go, let your presence be with me. Keep me from harm. And notice, notice 
the reason so that I will be free from pain. What a self, you know, self-serving prayer. <laughs> and yet, notice what the Bible says. And God granted his request. <laughs> See? And then from there, thousands of names again until it ends in chapter 9. This is an amazing prayer of Jabez. All right? Here's a man born of pain. Ask that the Lord would bless him, that the Lord will be with him. And the Bible says, God granted his request. God blessed Jabez. God extended his territory. God was with him. God protected him from harm. And friends, that's what it means to live in abundance. When your prayers are answered. Why? Because you're walking with the Lord. See, God is never stingy. God is never lacking in providing for the needs of His children. I mean, God answers the prayers of everyone according to His will, but there are special privileges. You know, we have this term in Cebuano, duul sa luwag. You're familiar with that? Duul mangguna siya sa luwag. And sometimes we say that in a negative way. But you know what? That's what Jesus is talking about in this passage. When you abide in Him and His words abide in your life, duol kas luwag, di lang ka duol luwag, duol jukas kaldiro. Because you are connected to the very source. Amen? And that, that's the privilege. When we are close to God, Listen, when you are very close to God, you don't have to shout your prayers. You just have to whisper it because you are so close to His ears. That's what it means to abide in Him. Remember the meaning of the word abide? Be in close contact with Him. See? And so that's the advantage. The joy of unhindered prayer. Can you imagine Jabez, you know, when he died, I'm sure his his tombstone would have something written like this. Here lies Jabez, born in pain, died with honor because he dared to ask of God what God most wanted to give. See? God is never stingy to His children. See? See, God God is a bounteous God. He wants to bless. Alright? But He wants to bless those children who are close to Him. That's what Jesus is saying. Abide in me and my words abide in you. You will bear much fruit. Your answers, your prayers rather, will be answered if you do that. Friends, the message of Jabez' prayer, you know, his, his life, his testimony, you know, is grounded in a simple but profound assertion. As Bruce Wilkinson says, we unlock change in our lives and in our world when we choose to do God's will in God's way. And it all begins with asking. See? All the mighty changes that you need, that I need, that the world needs, God can do that. But you know where it starts? It really starts with prayer. See? Everything, every mighty thing that God ever did in this world, God did it with His power. But it started with a prayer. You know? Never underestimate the power of prayer in your life. See? That's how we abide more in Christ. And no wonder Jesus said in John 16, 24. Can you please help me out with my clicker here? John 16, 24. Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Remember, this is still part of the same long evening. Okay? This is still in continuation with the vine and the branches metaphor of Christ. This is the same night before His betrayal, before His uh, his death. Until now, you have not asked. You have asked nothing in my name. Ask, and you will receive. Again, he made that promise again. 
that your joy may be full. See that? Joy comes to us when our prayers are unhindered. Nothing stops your prayer when you are close to the will of God. Amen? Now, let's go to the second blessing. The joy of unending love. Okay? Not only did, did Jesus promise us the joy of unhindered prayers, but the joy of unending love. Friends, imagine if the God of this world, okay, who hates you so much, see, the God of this world, who is the God of this world? Satan. He hates us so much, he only wants to kill, steal, and destroy. But the real God of the universe, the creator of us all, loves us. See? With an ending love. See? Will you still be afraid of the devil? If the creator of the universe gives us his unending love? Well, that's what Jesus said in verse 9. Okay, let's go now to verse 9. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. Notice here the chain of relationship. The Father loves me, Jesus is saying. So this love emanates from the Father, okay? And this is between the Father and the Son. And then Jesus says, abide in my love. Meaning to say, the love comes to the Father, it goes to the Son, and now Jesus, the Son, gives, his, gives that love to us. See? The Father loves me, so I have loved you remain in my love. Okay? Now, Jesus already said about this love at the beginning of this long night. Okay? When did this, when is the context of this chapter start? It starts in John chapter 13. So this is a very long discourse of Christ. Chapter 13, that's where you have the washing of the disciples' feet, you know, they started their Passover meal, and it ends with Jesus praying in Gethsemane. That's John chapter 17. So 13 to 17, that's the whole night, last night of Christ with His disciples. And you know how Jesus started that evening? Jesus knew that the hour had come for Him to leave this world and go to the Father. And notice this, having loved His own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And that's how he demonstrated that love by, by, you know, washing his disciples' feet. See? He loved them to the end. Now, that phrase, brethren, love them to the end. You know what that means? It means love them to the full. Love them to the max. It's only love. See? Because now Jesus was simply demonstrating to them His love. He started with washing, but it culminates with His dying on the cross. See? That's the love of God for you and for me. It's a love that washes our sins. It's a love that's willing to die for our sins. Now, the question is, what does it mean when Jesus says, abide in my love? All right? Abide in my love. Romans 8.39, Paul says, nothing will ever separate us from the love of God. You see that? It's an abiding love. Nothing will separate us. If you trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, brethren, if you love Him with all your heart, if you are saved, if you are born again, then this is the abiding love of Christ. Nothing in this whole universe will be able to separate you, me, us, from the love of God. And that love is found where? And in whom? In Christ Jesus, our Lord. You see that? Nothing, even problems, even war, wars, even death, see? Even heights, what else? Sword, nothing. That's what Paul says. Now, you know why this is so important? Because in our world today, people will say, I love you. People will promise, you know, I will love you to the end. But the problem is that their love will not end. <laughs> See? 
it will end rather. See? People promise love, but then when things get wrong and messy, what happens to the love? It's gone. But God will never abandon His love for us. Amen? Now, how are we going to abide in that love? That's what Jesus says. The Father has loved me, so I have loved you. And this love for you is what? Abiding. It will stand forever. Nothing will separate from this love. But then Jesus made a command towards the end of that verse. And what's the command? Abide in my love. See? Abide in my love. So Christ is somehow expanding the meaning of abiding. First, he says, to abide in me is to abide in my word. Now he's saying, to abide in me means to abide in my love. Now the question is, how do I abide in the love of Christ? I know how to abide in His Word. To abide in His Word means to read His Word, to follow His Word. But how do I abide in His love? Well, Jesus answered that question for us. See? How do I abide in His love? Notice the next verse, verse 10. If you obey my commands, you will abide in my love. See? That's the secret, friends. Obedience. And that's what we've been talking about last week, right? That's lesson. That's week number five. Joyful obedience. We study that. We study that the secret to abiding is to obey His Word. You cannot say that I love Jesus, but you don't obey His commands. See? That's very clear. O obedience to God's commandments is the way to abide in His love. He repeats this again and again in the Bible. John 14, 15, If you love me, you will obey my commands. Can you imagine how many times Jesus repeated that word, obey and love me, in this longest night of His life? If you love me, you will obey my commandments. John 14, 21, Whoever has my commands... And notice this, and keeps them is the one that loves me. So brethren, let us understand this. God's love is eternal. God's love will never separate us from Him. But in order, listen, in order for you and me to abide in His love, we have to be obedient Christians. Now this is where a lot of people claiming to be Christians stumble. It's so easy for people to say, I'm a Christian, I'm a born again, because of all the privileges that comes along with it, right? They don't want to go to hell, and so they want to cling on to Jesus. The problem, they don't want to obey His Word. See? A lot of these people say, well, I'm a Christian. I'm just a smuggler, but I'm still a Christian. There is no such thing as a Christian smuggler. See, I'm a Christian, but I'm a thief. But, you know, I love the Lord. And some of the money that I steal, I give to the church. So I'm a Christian. What? Thief. No such thing. See? There is no such thing. You cannot say you love Jesus and remain in your sin. See? That's why there are a lot of, you know, People today who are, they have their own agendas, they have their own rights. They say, this is my right. But friends, it's never your right when your right causes you to sin. See? It's never right when your right is a sin. It's always wrong. And so you cannot say, I'm born again, I'm Christian, but then your lifestyle does not show. Jesus is saying, Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. You cannot say you love Jesus and continues to hurt Him by disobedience. In the same way, it's so hard for, you know, for our you know, parents to hear us, you know, Ma, I love you, but I don't want to obey you. <laughs> That's not love. See, it hurts us, parents, when we, ask, when we ask our children, do you love me? And said, yeah, I love you, pa. But our children does not obey us. Friends, 
the best way to love God and to love your parents is to obey them. Amen? Children, are you listening? Obey your parents in the Lord. That's the best way to love them. Alright? Wala gim high blood nga mama o papa kung obedient si Dudong o si Inday. Okay? Now, the one who loves me will be loved by my father. This is the benefit of, of abiding in his love. Notice this. The one who loves me, and now we know who is that one who loves God. That's love Jesus. The one who obeys. Now, here's the benefit. When we obey his word, when we love him, notice what Jesus says. He will be loved by my father. You have the love of the father. And I too will love him. So you have the assurance of God's love. And notice the third promise here. And show myself to him. Brethren, this is where intimacy happens. Intimacy happens when we constantly obey the Lord. When we are constantly obeying the Lord, He will really show Himself to us. And that's, that's where intimacy takes place. That even the slightest move and sense of Christ, you can understand that it's Him. You will not be confused. You will never confuse Christ's direction over your life compared to Satan's voice. No. You will not be confused. You know why? Because this is what Jesus said, I will show myself to him. Now, I don't think it's in a physical way. I don't think that Jesus, of course, he can do that, but I think not in a normative way, that when you are very close to Jesus Christ, when you obey his commands, he will literally show his face to you. I don't think it's a physical thing, but it's more on a spiritual presence. That you will know Christ deeply, more of Him in your life. And who is our model of this obedience? Jesus. See? Just as I have obeyed my Father's commands. See, when Jesus commands us to obey Him, it's not like, you know, some of our, if you remember in, in the military, you say, do what I say and do not do what I do. Or in the CMT or, you know, CAT, CAT before, they have that rule. See, do what I say, but do not do what I do. But it's different with our Lord Jesus Christ. He leads by example. See, when Jesus commands us, obey my commands, He's saying, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and abide in His love. And this is my commandment. And what is that? That you love one another as I have loved you. See? He talks about obeying His commands, commands. But then, in verse 12, Jesus zeroes into one particular command. And what is that? Love one another. Not love one eye. Love one another. See? As I have loved you. Now, the question, how should I love others? Jesus says, the way I love you. How did I love you? I gave myself to you. I, I gave, you know, I gave you what you need. See? How do we love each other? Friends, go back to the golden rule of Christ. Do to others what you want others do to you. See? How do you want to be loved? Then that's how you should show your love to one another. Friends, that's how it means, what it means to abide in Christ, to love one another in the same way as Jesus loved us. Okay, 1 John 4.12, no one has ever seen God, correct? If we love one another, notice this, God lives in us and His love is made complete in us. So friends, how do we show God to other people? By our loving. Okay? And that is why the language of Christianity is love. If we love here inside the church, if, if we have visitors coming to our church and if they see us, you know, talk and smile to each other, hug each other, kiss, whatever, see, showing affection to each other, doing what, what, what 
what's to be what needs to be done in order to serve others people will recognize god god must be in this place because that's what jesus says no one has ever seen god but if we love one another god lives in us amen and then we come to the third okay so what's the first promise the joy of unhindered prayer prayers that will not be hindered second the joy of unending love and here's the third the joy of unspeakable joy <laughs> amazing the joy of unspeakable joy it was peter himself who coined that phrase unspeakable joy in his epistle all right. What is this joy of unspeakable joy? So, so Jesus, after saying that, you know, you abide in me, my words abide in you, your prayers will be answered. I will love you as the Father will, will love you. Then in verse 11, he culminates with this statement. These things I have spoken to you. In other words, he's now making a conclusion. The reason I have said I am the vine, you are the branches, the reason that I says that, that if, you, if you remain in me, you will bear much fruit. The reason for all this, so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. See? Fullness of joy. See? That's what's in the mind of our Lord Jesus Christ when he talks about the vine. All that God wants for your life is that you will enjoy Him. And that our joy is not on the things that He gives, that in Himself. Notice this, my joy may be in you, your joy may be full. This is not talking about joyful because daghan kita grapes. And sometimes, we're confused. We don't understand. A lot of people are saying that, well, God's plan for, his, for my life is that I will be joyful. Joyful with my house, with my car, with my things, with my friends, with my travels. No, no, no. That's not what Jesus is saying. He's not saying so that you'll be joyful in the fruit that you have. No. He's saying so that my joy may be in you. Friends, Unspeakable joy is not joy based on what you have. It's not based on what you can enjoy outside your life. No. It's inner joy. That's why Peter calls it unspeakable joy. See? What do you mean by unspeakable joy? It's a joy that you can even describe. You know why? Because it's a joy that is what? Endemic in your, in my relationship. With Jesus. This is the kind of joy that the world does not understand. That they, they think, you're crazy. You're having all these problems. You have this sickness. And yet, you are still joyful. They don't understand that. Only us Christians can understand this unspeakable joy. Why? Because this joy is sourced in Christ alone. Alright? 1 Peter 1.8 and this is what Peter says, though you have not seen Him, he's talking about Christ, you love Him. Even though you do not see Him now, you believe in Him and are filled. Take note of that word. It's passive. Okay? It's not you doing the joy. It is something that is being filled to your heart and are filled with an unspeakable joy. You see that? That's what you and I will experience and have when we have this wonderful, intimate, loving, and abiding relationship with Jesus Christ. That's, that's what you and I experience when the vine continues to abide in the branches and the branches to the vine unspeakable joy. Though we don't see Him, we believe in Him. See? And that joy is always by faith. See? As you maintain your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, brethren, you will be filled with unspeakable joy. Alright? Now, final thoughts. 
having learned the three promises. See? The joy of unhindered prayers. The joy of unending love from the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. The joy of unspeakable joy that only Christ can fill in our hearts. I want us now to behold the gardener's face as we end this series. Remember that in our relationship with Christ as the vine and we are the branches, the gardener, the Father, is always watching us and caring for us and waiting to do what's necessary for our abundance. All right? So what do you think the gardener is doing in the season of your life today? Now, there are three possible things, no? Like, number one, if you are in the season of discipline, okay, I don't, I don't want you to raise your hand if you are in the season of discipline. <laughs> what do you think is the face of the gardener? What is he doing? The gardener is kneeling beside you in the cool of the morning. He's reaching down to intervene in your life. See, he's kneeling. Why he's kneeling? Because he wants to lift you up. All right? If you are going through some tough times in your life because you have sinned, you have done something, and God is disciplining you, God the gardener is kneeling beside you. And He is lifting you up. He wants to bring you back to Himself. The look on His face conveys concern and sadness. Not disgust, not irritation, not even anger. He doesn't see a chron chronic loser in you, but a chosen child, you know, who needs to be lifted up. He cares for you. That's why he gives you, what, the good hurt. What about if you are in the season of pruning? If you are in the season of pruning, God, the gardener, is standing beside you in the sun of midday. He's ready to make some necessary cut but he's, he's not unhappy in fact the look on his face conveys delight and expectation he's happy because you are doing well in your christian life but he's saying but you know what my child you have so many leaves so many extra branches you don't need this because if you have all these things you might not see me that's why god is saying well, let me stand and start cutting some of these things in your life so that you can see me clearly in the midday sun. Now, what about if you are in a season of abiding? Right? The gardener is leaning against a nearby trellis. As the sun is going down, he's looking at your branch with pleasure satisfaction and joy just being here near you in gives him the joy wow my child is thriving with fruit he's living a good life he's very close to me i want to bless you more that's what the father does see i want to take care of you because you are a reflection of me brethren are you living as a reflection of god you see, when God sees himself in you, you know what God does? He will bless us more. He will bless us more. If he sees himself in us, he will bless us more because that's the goal of the Father. Remember, he's not a stingy father, but he wants to bless his children, those that are closest to him. See, that's the gardener's face. But friends... Let us be mindful also of grape rubbers. <laughs> Beware of the grape rubbers. It's so, it's so nice for us to be abounding in so many things. Praise God. But then the enemy comes, see, and steal and kill and destroy. We don't want that, right? So as we enjoy this abundance that God has given to us in this wonderful relationship, we must be aware that the enemy is the grape grubber, right? And so there are simple suggestions that I have for you as we end this series. Number one, remember that God can use you no matter what season you're in. 
It's so easy for the devil to come to you and say, See, you're having problems. God doesn't love you anymore. Be aware of the grape rubber. See, he wants to rub you of that love of God. God will always be there for you, even if you are in the season of discipline. See? Doesn't mean that you have sinned, you're a wayward child. Doesn't mean that the father no longer cares for you. Remember the prodigal son? Even if, if he went out, you know, squandered all the father's wealth, listen, the father was simply waiting. Every day, the father was just there. So remember that God can use you no matter what. Number two, recognize. Recognize that God's plan for you are unique and specially suited for your situation. Alright? Each branch requires individual attention. See, in, in the vineyard, not all branches are the same. Some branches are long, some are thick, some are thin. See, you cannot compare yourself with others. You cannot say that this is how God is dealing with this man. Maybe the same way with me. No. All of us are unique. And so the Father will have to deal with each one of us uniquely. Amen? Because we are all special, you know, special chosen people of God. And He has a unique way to make us fruitful. Number three. Number three. Realize that it's never too late to begin bearing fruit. Never too late. You see, the devil is so quick to whisper to you, you know, you are an old Christian but still not growing up. You are not bearing fruit. May pamatay. Wana na siya, no? Wana ka, may paputlo na lang ka. Wapanjo ka ng bunga, you know, dugay na kay ka sa Bradford. You've been in Bradford Church for too long. And you're a... You're just an embarrassment to the church. See? That's what the devil, you see? That's what the grape robbers do. But realize, it's never too late to begin bearing fruit. Take it from the Apostle Peter himself. See? Peter, the, the always aggressive guy, you know, to the point that he even was so aggressive in denying Christ. But it was never too late for Peter to bear fruit because in Acts chapter 2, that's where he started bearing fruit, even after Jesus died. Never too late. Don't ever say that I'm too old for this Christianity thing. No one is too old to be used by our Lord. Number four, rest in God's sovereign timing. Rest in God's sovereign timing. If you're primarily being disciplined or being pruned right now, the enemy may try to discourage you, but always believe that God has His own timing for all of us. Okay? Maybe it's not yet the time, but God has a perfect time. Remember what Paul says in Philippians 1.6? Remember Philippians 1.6? Being confident of this, that He who began a good work in you and in me, will what? Will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. See? We should be confident that He is always working. God never stops working in your life, in my life. So, God is sovereign. And finally, of course, receive God's gift of joy. See? If there's one, one person that Satan loves to intimidate, it's the unhappy Christian. <laughs> if you're always unhappy and complaining, the devil wants to tickle you more. <laughs> See? And so receive God's gift of joy. It's one gift that only God can give. And that's why Jesus says, These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. Brethren, come what may, whatever is the situation in your life, Satan can never rob the joy of Christ in your life. It's something he cannot rob. So please receive and enjoy that joy that Jesus has for you and for me. Be a joyful Christian. 
wherever you are. And that will change the way you look at things around you. So do you have abundance, brethren? Do you have abundance? Well, you were created for a life mission of abundance for God, but you can't accomplish the work, your Father's kingdom on your own. You need to abide in the vine. Do you want more abundance? Absolutely. See? More is always possible, but you'll have to do something opposite of what you're currently doing. You have to what? You'll have to cooperate with God's way and respond in obedience and trust. And God, as He promised, if you remain in me and I in you, indeed, you will bear much fruit. So that's our 40 days of abundance. To God be the glory forever and ever. Let us all stand up as we are going to pray. Let's have our prayer of thanksgiving for this abundant life that Jesus has for us. Let us pray. Lord, help us to live fully yielded, abiding, obedient with you so that we might be abundant, fruit-bearing disciples that glorifies the Father. Father, thank you so much for your work. You are never tired of working in each of our lives, doing what is necessary for our maximum growth and potential. Thank you for carefully and lovingly lifting us up from our own destructive and unfruitful pursuits and not throwing us away when we are not bearing fruit. Father, thank you for thoughtfully and wisely pruning us by cleansing away all of the self, all of the unnecessary good stuff in our lives, which will hinder us from having an intimate communion with you. Help us to enjoy a deep and trusting an intimate love relationship with you, Lord Jesus. Through close communion and fellowship with you, through your word, in prayer, in worship, in obedience. Help us to truly remain in you, Lord. And Father, through the different seasons of our Christian life, help us to, that, to have that abiding spirit. And thank you for this wonderful joy that we have because of you. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen and amen. Let's give the Lord another round of applause. Glory to God. Please be seated, everyone.